Namaste. So as part of writings of Shirobindo, we continue with the synthesis of yoga. And last week we had touched upon some of the main chapters related to the yoga of divine works. And just to quickly go through the process, consecration is one important element of the yoga works. Whatever works we do, we do not do it for the satisfaction of the ego and desire. We do it as an offering to the divine. So here, work becomes worship. And this includes the whole range of human activities from morning till night, from night till morning. So this is about consecration. By consecrating, we begin to connect our self and the works that are done through us with the divine. So this is the exchange that begins to take place, which means we shift the motive. The motive is no more to either money or fame or ambition, uh, even to be a yogi, all this is not the aim of yoga. Uh, yogi is a term used for those who are engaged in it, not like, okay, you are a yogi. That is something for the divine to see what's happening inside or the person may be aware. And then this consecration naturally leads to surrender. So without consecration, to leap to surrender is... Uh, can lead to all kinds of misconceptions that I have surrendered myself to the divine. First, there is a constant referring of all our motives and activities to the divine. Then a stage comes progressively that we completely put ourselves in the hands of the divine so that the divine begins to move us. Now to engage or talk about surrender without consecration can lead to a gross misunderstanding and we may start believing I have surrendered myself to the divine. So all that is happening, all the impulses, all the things that are coming to me are all coming from the divine. There can be no further truth than this. That means we remain bound to the lower nature forever, whereas yoga is the royal road towards freedom. And this freedom involves freedom from the ignorance of lower nature or nature as we understand today, nature of the with its three modes and which make us move. So we become free from it. So that's the liberation that comes. So along with that, third keyword is sacrifice. Now sacrifice is not in the sense of leaving things. Sacrifice is in the sense of refining things, purifying them. So every activity when it is done as a sacrifice, meaning thereby we uplift. So first the motive has changed and we have placed ourselves in the hands of the divine. Now whatever work we are doing and it may include all the different activities in the various fields of knowledge, we do it only to fulfill the divine in us, to satisfy or please the divine in us, very beautifully, as the mother puts it, you know, that we are here to please Shurabindu. Now, this is a... So, it becomes an adoration. It becomes a worship. So, it be, the, the works become a means of worship of the divine. And through this worship, by offering these works in that fire of purification, fire of aspiration, we want to uplift it to the highest possible uh, level. And therefore, the works automatically begin to um, feel the touch of the divine perfection. So that's what is meant in the Gita, Yoga Karma Kaushalam. Works are perfect as the divine acts in the world. This is the process, sacrifice. And here Shivindu puts it in two chapters. Sacrifice is the yagya and there is the ascent of the sacrifice. And as we engage in this desireless action, freedom from ego, change of motives, works as consecration, surrender and sacrifice, slowly the outer crust begins to break down. 
in which we are trapped thinking this is me kind of personality in which we live it breaks down and the deeper psychic entity emerges so when this deeper psychic entity emerges there are some signs and the first sign is it seeks for truth and good and beauty it is its very nature that's how it is programmed so wherever there is untruth it doesn't feel comfortable about it yeah, wherever there is um, not good now good and evil evil is something which harms divides uh, creates confusion it feels unhappy about it wherever there is lack of love lack of beauty lack of largeness there it tends to shrink from so psychic being naturally seeks these things and in the process it begins to seek the company of god lovers so you will see that as the psychic being emerges it finds it difficult to stay in the normal world ordinarily constituted of a humanity which is seeking for you know the usual aims so ordinary humanity is ordinary is not in a pejorative sense but let's say that in a first stage of development it is satisfied with these things it is also seeking these things but as the consciousness grows and the psychic being emerges it wants the company of god lovers this all we we all know that you know it it comes but then it goes one step further now it begins to seek the divine not just god lovers not just truth good and beauty satyam shivam sundaram but the divine himself so the next stage in the development of the psychic being is it seeks the divine in all things everywhere and in all beings so that's when it doesn't really matter where you are and but that's a later stage you are seeking the divine in everything and everywhere and here shobindu uh, reveals to us this seeking and finding is not just confined to an inner discovery meaning thereby i am doing the works medicine in the medical department freely prescribing all the toxic and non toxic substances uh, and inwardly i am free yes there is the state in which the karmayogin reaches but shobindu says even this this light which emerges should show us give us new directions in every field so that's why that's how we see in ancient india creative founts of energies were released because the discovery of the psychic being opens us to the divine um, you know the creator's creativity so that's how when the psychic being emerges after a point of time it begins to show us the divine not just within myself but within the world within the workings of the world the entire divine play progressively begins to get revealed to us and also how this play can be upgraded so that's where shobindu takes us through the path of sacrifice and then of course uh, we read about the standards of conduct and spiritual freedom so uh, this person who is free inwardly how does he act normally we act according to either social religious moral standards of the times or else we act according to our own personal ethical standards that's where we see arjuna's dilemma is he cannot justify the war because socially morally religious point of view family tradition wise he finds it wrong even his ethical uh, standard says that well he has read gandhi ji ahimsa parma dharma and he doesn't know whether he should engage in war or not so all his personal standards are failing so that's where we discover that there is a still greater standard after we have crossed we can't skip these stages we can't say that okay i'm beyond morality so i'll be any moral person no we have to go through because morality disciplines the vital nature but to miss to make a uh, to confuse it or mistake it for the highest spiritual action is incorrect this is what the gita also reveals to us that well first duty first um, you know living for something greater like an ideal and then we have to go beyond this suddenly reminds me of 
you know how one can limit things uh, there is a notice uh, for a movie which is going to come pande matram and i must say that i was so surprised to read toward the end something which summarizes shurbindo's thought though it is not mentioned in the context for shurbindo it put in inverted commas country first humanity afterwards the rest nowhere this is absurd anybody who has read shurbindo even a little and to find such a notice put right inside i i must say very freely and frankly has very surprised that who could even imagine this so it's important to understand that country first humanity first is not the core of any yoga any yoga leave aside shobindo's yoga the core is divinity first and everything else flows from divinity humanity for the sake of divinity country for the sake of divinity so we must uh, you know because i just saw it i thought you know it should go as a kind of Uh, corrective whatever be the consciousness behind it but it can give a very mistaken understanding especially many people who may not be even aware what shurbindo represents so the moment highest spiritual freedom is when we are simply obedient to the divine will that's what matters this is what shurbindo's core teaching is be moved by the divine will as a leaf is driven i am a leaf in the you know by driven by the breath of the lord this should be the state and then of course the supreme will where shubindo reveals how this supreme will comes to us in the form of a deep enthusiasm it can descend from above it can electrify our our entire being charge us it may inspire us intuitively it may come as a flash so many ways or it can come as a gentle small little voice from inside it can reveal itself in many ways and as we begin to live more and more in it there is that growing equality so first equality starts in the very beginning of yoga but first equality is on the surface nature all the surface contacts of life then the equality must deepen into the sense of all kinds of other identities but it can become still deeper and in the deepest stage of equality there is nothing else but the divine consciousness which is fully occupying us and then of course the two chapters the three modes of nature Uh, we'll have occasion to talk about it still further in the yoga of uh, integral knowledge and the master of the work this is something amazing this may sound that okay the master of the work what is so special about it why it's important because generally we think that the divine is like a silent witness knowledge seated above uh, as far as works are concerned this is a prakriti this is ignorance but he is the master of the work meaning thereby he is the one who is impelling all things into motion shri krishna hints at it when he says karm visarga he is the one who releases the karma and then everything goes back to him so all action belongs to the divine and it originates in the divine and goes back to the divine but there is something which happens in between and that distortion we have to remove that distortion comes from the vital nature desire from the mental nature through egoism from the physical nature through obscurity and ignorance and tamas so when we remove these three modes which are interfering with the direct action of the divine then the supreme will expresses itself and the master of work reveals himself to us then we realize that we were not even an instrument we start with i am an instrument of the divine then we discover it's the force that is working so after the instrument the worker then we realize that it is nature which is working and then we realize that no there is the master who is you know uh, even beyond nature i remember i'll just share a small little incident of so in that 
kind of wisdom that people had when India was deeply rooted in the sense of the sacred and, and divinity. Uh, like a typical young teenager, 14, 15, arguing, nature hai, this nature, what is there to bring in divine? Because this idea that divine is there at the end only for mukti made no sense. This impersonal witness, you feel there is no real need of an impersonal witness who is watching over us. So I made a, um, uh, my mom put me to my mamaji, who used to be very deeply into Ramayana and all this. So I still remember he was reading the Ramayana and uh, I told him, what is the point of, you know, uh, divine who is there as somewhere as a witness? Uh, while earth is struggling, there is so much suffering. Then he smiled and gave me a very interesting answer. I said, all this is nature. Uh, okay, you can be free from nature, but that's it. So, suddenly he smiles and says, Haan, beta, ye to sach hai prakriti ki baat, lekin prakriti ke swami ko bhi ek din tum janoge. You will know that there is the master of nature. This was like, a, suddenly for a 15-year-old to hear these words, deepest wisdom, that there is nature, but there is also the master of nature from whom nature emerges. So, it is the Lord's maya. Maya is not some kind of freak which has come into this world. The Lord's Maya, and we have often spoken about it, there is the Vidyamai Maya where the Lord is fully conscious and possesses Maya. Whereas Avidyamai, where it's in its operations in us, where we are no more conscious of the Lord. And the typical analogy is that, supposing there is a gangrene in finger or a toe, and the, the person has to go through a surgery. Now look at the two standpoints. The person knows that this finger has to be removed or a reconstructive surgery has to be done. Let's talk positive. Why remove reconstructive surgery? So now, you have taken a decision. The toe may not understand this at all. Toe is not conscious. It's in avidya. According to it, cool, whatever is happening to me, why this? I am being subjected to this. Whereas the self, the being... Even the limited human being, the egoistic human being, knows that this is necessary for the total health of my body. So this is the Vidyamai which knows the part and the whole. And this is a Vidya where the part knows only itself but knows not the whole. So all this Shubhinto reveals to us and then comes this chapter which I'll just read a few uh, very inspiring, uplifting words from this, the divine work. Meaning thereby, a person who is free, why would he need to work? Now, this is a very ancient puzzle, not so ancient if you look at it very from a common sense point of view, but let me put it like an image. So, the image is, most people say that, well, works are necessary to reach the house of the Lord. So, while we are going on the path, supposing we want to meet our divine master, and the divine master is in a mansion, we have heard from somebody, he lives out there. So, suddenly one day we are seized by this idea, either impelled by the shocks of life that let's go there, that's the only place worth going, or attracted by the flute, uh, which we hear from time to time, ki ye se hai, where is this coming from? Whatever be the origin, we start undertaking the journey. So, journey is work. You can't walk. Walking means you, you can't stay still and say, even thought is a kind of activity. So you begin to walk the path. So works are leading you. Now in that process, you have to make sure you are not distracted. Desire comes as a distraction. You have climbed uh, only a few steps and desire says, Hamari dukan idhar hai, Bhagwan ki dukan. God is found here. 
and if you come here you will be a blessed person who will be forever redeemed whatever it is so we are drawn towards it so again what is happening is various kinds of desires lures are distracting us so in the path of works we have to get rid of it or if you go a little further then somebody says bhagwan ke paas ja ke kya milega i'll make you somebody great lures attractions of the ego spiritual ambitions that you will become a yogi all kinds of things which may again distract us various opinions ideas in which we have captured god various formulas so in the path of works we have to get rid of all this then now what happens when you reach the mansion of the lord now comes the issue you have met the lord then what happens chap tilak sab chini mose nena milake how can you remember yourself even your ego self i was that person by the time you are changed in fact you begin to see that there is so much similarity not in that self and this one but in your true self you because by then desire and ego and all this has stripped you bare so when you strip yourself bare of all these things you discover there is no fundamental difference so then you have arrived at the destination you have become one with the with the divine so why should you work now this is the question that is raised so now the thing is that well if i am an individual taking my journey then i may say that okay i have arrived but if we understand that all these journeys are nothing else but the journey of the one divine the moment we understand there is no other but he who is the master of the work and this entire creation is his progressive manifestation then what prevents a soul which is free and realized to return back because maybe god will give a nice pat on our back and say good you have understood but now my child go back be among the ignorant person be as the common folk and carry them together you have heard the flute they have not so be the flute among men be the warrior for the great consummation in humanity so this is where we have to understand a liberated person is no more bound when he enters into works but he is no more working under the impulsion of desire but by something deeper which emerges from inside either as a swadharma or else by a kind of divine enthusiasm so this is a very powerful one of my favorite synthesis of yoga the divine work the desire of personal salvation however hides form is an outcome of ego i am saved as if i was the only fellow in this world <laughs> everyone is myself when you discover you are the divine it's not like i that i everyone is yourself so how can you rest content there's that line in savitri my spirit's liberty i ask for all it rests on the idea of our own individuality and its desire for its personal good or welfare this idea of an individual mukti its longing for a release from suffering or its cry for the extinction of the trouble of becoming and makes that the supreme aim of our existence this may be a starting point okay people are pushed from here and there there is so much suffering we may start like that let me find a nice little place and that place is the divine supreme shelter what we don't realize when we find that space we are no more that or rather to put it paradoxically we are no more that we have become that when we reach there we discover are i am that one so we discover that to rise beyond 
the desire of personal salvation is necessary for the complete rejection of this basis of ego and i think in india this is a teaching which must go um, from every corner because still i see that in the name of spirituality there is so much talk about personal moksha individual liberation not realizing this is a form of subtle form of ego it is this that has led to the downfall of india from those days where men like bhishma of course shri krishna arjuna all yogis engaged in the world they were not world shining ascetics and they are the ones whom we remember does anyone remember who were the ascetics in the time of uh, mahabharata shri krishna who took to sanyas and went into some himalaya god knows for 17 years asking for nobody remembers okay they were there they were lost not that there is anything wrong with that but it's a limited aim it is not the supreme aim that's all we should remember if we seek the divine it should be for the sake of the divine and for nothing else because that is the supreme call of a being the deepest truth of the spirit isn't that also the truth of all love when we want to seek is it that when i meet i will have this to my advantage no giving yourself completely the pursuit of liberation of the soul's freedom of the realization of a true and highest self of union with the divine is justified only because it is the highest law of our nature because it is the attraction of that which is lower in us to that which is highest because it is the divine will in us that is its sufficient justification and its one truest reason all other motives are excrescences minor or incidental truths or useful lures which the soul must abandon the moment their utility has passed and the state of oneness with the supreme and with all beings has become our normal consciousness and the bliss of that state our spiritual atmosphere i need to put that analogy which i keep hearing from different sources you know we are like a wave that lapses into the ocean okay then it becomes the ocean it's not extinction it springs up in 100000 waves to catch the moon it doesn't extinguish it separate self extinguishes it no more identifies itself with one wave but becomes 1000 10000 multiple waves cutting through all barriers of time and space this is what happens to a yogi on the path so he says that often we see this desire for liberation salvation overcome by another attraction which belongs to the higher turn of a nature and which indicates the essential character of the action the liberated soul must pursue it is that which is implied in the great legend of the amitabh buddha in mahayana we see this amitabh buddha <laughs> who turned away or maitrey buddha is also called who turned away when his spirit was on the threshold of nirvana and took the vow never to cross it while a single being remained in the sorrow and the ignorance and the other one my favorite prayer it is that which underlies the sublime verse of the bhagavat purana i desire not the supreme state with all its eight siddhis nor the cessation of rebirth may i assume the sorrow of all creatures who suffer and enter into them so that they may be made free from grief what a vast bold only for the strong not with souls weary and sick and tired let the sorrow of all beings enter into me that is called shivatva 
I desire not the supreme state. It is that which inspires a remarkable passage in the letter of Swami Vivekananda. This toward the end, his letter. I have lost all wish for my salvation, wrote the great Vedantin. May I be born again and again and suffer thousands of miseries so that I may worship the only God that exists, the only God I believe in. The sum total of all souls and above all, my God, the wicked, my God, the miserable, my God, the poor of all races, of all species, is the special object of my worship. He who is the high and low, the saint and the sinner, the God and the worm, him worship, the visible, the knowable, the real. We must understand he is speaking from that point after having realized that. We should not ignorantly mistranslate. But look at the, that there is something beyond nirvana. There is something beyond salvation. Personal salvation. There is something beyond mukti. And this we must understand. Even in traditional yoga, transformation comes still later. But something beyond that. Break all idols. Break all other idols. Sri Aurobindo speaks about it in a very different way. He speaks about what is going to come is the religion of humanity. But he puts a spiritual word. Spiritual religion of humanity is going to be the religion of the future. Because ultimately it is the emancipation, the great becoming which is important. So, break all other idols in whom there is neither past life nor future birth, nor death nor going nor coming, in whom we always have been and always will be one. Him worship, break all other idols. He was an iconoclast. There is a phase of life when one has to go through that. The last two sentences contain indeed the whole gist of the matter. And then Shubhinda says, The true salvation or the true freedom from the chain of rebirth is not the rejection of terrestrial life or the individual's escape by a spiritual self annihilation How can it be freedom? How can freedom be determined by any condition? Including cessation of rebirth. If you have put a condition... It's no more freedom, by by definition, just pure logic. Freedom means even in bonds and chains you are free. So that's what he reminds us. Even as the true renunciation is not the mere physical abandonment of family and society, it is the inner identification with the divine in whom there is no limitation of past life and future birth, but instead the eternal existence of the unborn soul. He who is free inwardly, even doing actions. Akarma, the state, where even while naish karmya, one is doing nothing. If you truly ask such a person that what are you doing, he will nothing. He will not recount a list of, you know, 30 things. <laughs> because he act, it's not something to be said. It is actually the state that it's just impossible. So one knows that it is the divine who is doing. So this is the state of the liberation that comes through the yoga works. Equally, even if he assumes a hundred times the body, he is free from any chain of birth or mechanical wheel of existence since he lives in the unborn and undying spirit and not in the life of the body. Once free, 
forever free <laughs> even when you enter the chain well when you are a child of course uh, bodily limitation there but very soon you become conscious maybe even before birth somewhere that you are coming for a particular purpose everything because now you are a free person free being see how shubindu spoke about uh, ma that she is born free mira is born free you are conscious something will keep prompting you and moving you of course the full realization as the mother says develops as the mind develops then you give it words but deep inside it is there that you have come with a particular purpose so that's how it will be 100 births will not uh, bind you therefore attachment to the escape from rebirth is one of the idols see how is idols are not just physical forms but the images and conceptions that the mind creates that is the idol which uh, fool started breaking outer idols and says idolaters you are you have formed an idol in your mind which is a very dark idol <laughs> idol is not something outside outside that idol is only a representation you may break uh, 100 idols you are just being foolish but basically idol is in the mind the truth of that idol will always remain so he says of course that idol has its own meaning in the ascending stair of humanity and therefore it must stay but the true idolatry is inside so he says a divine work remains for him in the universe for the sadhak of the integral yoga must break and cast away from him all this idea that i will be free from rebirth that work what will be the work of the person who is free that work cannot be fixed by any mind made rule or human standard for his consciousness has moved away from human law and limits and passed into the divine liberty what a liberating this sentence itself makes you free into the vastness and then he says something very powerful away from government by the external and transient into the self rule of the inner and eternal away from the binding forms of the finite into the free self determination of the infinite and now comes the most powerful of all among among the most powerful of the mahavakyas very difficult for the bound humanity to even conceive however he lives and acts says the gita he lives and acts in me mark the words however you cannot understand by any external yardstick standard a person who is free and the mother gives a very interesting example of course we have the story of raja janak when narad goes and he is deceived and shubhendra is immortalized in his aphorism even before janak even narad the sage he was perplexed he could never understand so of course swami vikarananda took that example of janak that there is one janak he accepted but he says <laughs> sanyas is ultimate but shubhendra says no janak is a lineage of kings so the mother says how our mental conceptions can interfere in our seeking of the divine and she says it's very early i think volume 3 itself that a man comes and he walks into some place meeting someone whom he believed that you know is is the divine but when he saw him his dress his appearances he thought how can divine be like this and he walked away he said this is the problem that our mental conceptions through which we are fooled constantly divine ki marzi hai 
Who are we to tell him what he should wear and how he should be? But behind everything that he does, it's not a absurdity, not a chaotic action, but a supreme self-determination through which the action takes place. The rules which the intellect of man lay down cannot apply to the liberated soul. By the external criteria and test which their mental association and prejudgments prescribe, such a one cannot be judged. He is outside the narrow jurisdiction of these fallible tribunals. It is immaterial whether he wears the garb of the ascetic or lives the full life of the householder. Whether he spends his days in what men call holy works or in the many-sided activities of the world. Whether he devotes himself to the direct leading of men to the light like Buddha, Christ or Shankara or governs kingdoms like Janak or stands before men like Sri Krishna as a politician or a leader of armies, what he eats or drinks, what are the, his habits or his pursuits, whether he fails or succeeds, whether his work be one of construction or of destruction, whether he supports or restores an old order or labors to replace it by a new, whether his associates are those <laughs> whom men delight to honor. Hmm? <laughs> or those whom their sense of superior righteousness outcasts and reprobates, whether his life and deeds are approved by his contemporaries or he is condemned as a misleader of men and a fomenter of religious, moral, moral or social heresies. Of course, sometimes these truths are conjured in one-liners. Jat na pucho sadhu ki, puch lijyo gyan. Just see whether he is a knower or not. And you will know it if you are a seeker. You cannot know whether somebody is a knower or not by any external criteria. Well, many people try to copy that. So there are people who like to wear only dhoti, thinking that they will become like Shurabindu. Even go bare-bodied. So, <laughs> you will only catch a cold in all likelihood. <laughs> Let there be only one Shurabindu in the universe. <laughs> or sometimes they shut themselves inside a room. For a few years, they will eat very little, hardly smile because to smile is unyogic. And the mother says, laugh with the Lord and mother's laughter. So this is how we have this idea. I don't want to speak about color. I have spoken enough about it. All white colored. So this is, none of this applies. You may or you may not. It doesn't matter. Either ways. And so, he says, his real life is within and this is its description, that he lives, moves and acts in God, in the divine, in the infinite. Who will, uh, who will judge that except the divine? And perhaps the person if he is sincere enough, but there may be no person anymore, the way we understand it. So this is the great peak towards which the yoga of divine works take us. Anything less is simply preparation on the way. And the last chapter which we had just touched upon in the Yoga of Divine Works is Supermind. Suddenly Shubhinda brings Supermind in the Yoga of Works. So several people ask, what is Supermind? Well, this is an occasion to read one of the ways Shubhinda describes, several ways he describes. So I'll just read and then we will talk a little bit about it. But first, course correction. Because many people are drawn to the Yoga, I'll be transformed. 
I won't need any cream to look golden. Why my body, even the dress I will wear will become golden. If I wear a yellow dress, <laughs> I am closer to the supramental. <laughs> it's nice to wear nice dress in whatever color suits. That's a different thing altogether. But we have this idea, many people are attracted by the power, by the idea of becoming greater than ordinary humanity. Not realizing by the time you reach there, you will discover the same self in the entire humanity. This idea that I am superior has to vanish because it cannot be sustained. Can the divine say, I am superior to you guys? He can only say, I have become you guys. The bug is with me. It begins and ends with me. But yes, you can do my work if you like. So here he says, it is a mistake. This is the last chapter on the yoga of divine works. It is a mistake to think as many are apt to think that the object of a supramental yoga is to arrive at a mighty magnificence of supermanhood. Thought reading, miracle, a divine power and greatness, the self-fulfillment of a magnified individual personality. So when people come and ask, where is the supramental specimen? You should say, there is not one supramental specimen. There are many. And then add quietly, in the making. <laughs> Where will I find them? You find. It's your question, your job. <laughs> supramental specimen is not going to come and say, I am a superman, <laughs> do you see? And start showing miracles to convince you. He will just say, I, like Vivekananda, that I can't cross this river, I am waiting for the boatman. How can you bind? So this is where he says, that's not what, this is a false and disastrous conception. Many people nurture this idea, especially who come from the western context, you know, sometimes you find in Auroville, oh we are here to become superman first, become man, human being, <laughs> superman will come later, superman come when you have even forgotten who you are. It's only the divine who has the factory of supermanhood. So, uh, says, this is a false and disastrous conception. Disastrous because it is likely to raise the pride, vanity and ambition of the Rajasic vital mind in us. People even begin, begin to imitate. Even their tone, everything begins to change, not in a spontaneous way, but in an artificial way. They begin to behave in certain ways, to impress, show, sham. So, if not overpassed and overcome, must lead to spiritual downfall. Gaithe supramental banne, I inframental banke. <laughs> we went to become supramental, we came back inframental and infradental. <laughs> Without even title. And then we say, why did you do this to me, Lord? At least you should have kept up my facial appearances. <laughs> if not supramental being, I should have looked a very smart human being. He says, because you were trying to become over smart. I have removed all this. Now you may become wise. You have a chance to become wise. So he reminds us that these things, vanity, pride, they are elementary things of spiritual life. False because it is an egoistic conception and the first condition of the supramental chain is to get rid of the ego. There is no Dr. Alok Pandey becoming supramental. <laughs> if he still has this Dr. Alok Pandey, I mean anybody's name. 
when there is no supramental and there are people who are so attached to their name surname to their titles what all they have done my gosh every time i hear biodata my own i feel kiska kiski baat kar rahe kyon kar rahe i can't say there please stop it Whose thing they are speaking? There is no identification. Honestly, that you know, he has read an authored book, given talks. God knows whom or what they are speaking about. This identification vanishes as one progresses on the path. But well, people are they do out of love. It is most dangerous for the active and dynamic nature of man, of the man of will and works, which can easily be led away by the pursuit of power. This is the problem of. supramental power um, power comes inevitably by the supramental change who won't have when the divine is standing by you whatever you say whatever you do somewhere he knows it he will see to it when arjuna gives a promise by tomorrow i am going to kill jaydrath krishna has heard it now it's his business to make sure it happens He has said something impossible. Where was the power in Arjuna to ensure that within one day, that to guarded by all these great ones who had not yet died? So this is where the power comes from. It is not one's own power, and even this idea that this is my power is a non-starter. Elementary practice of karma yoga reveals there is nothing like personal power. Even science teaches us there is nothing like your force. it is one force which is circulating in the universe and it picks up its domain channels uses this mean that means it is a necessary condition for a perfect action freedom from ego but it is the divine shakti that comes and takes up the nature and the life the power of the one acting through the spiritual individual it is not an aggrandizement of the personal force not the last crowning fulfillment of the separative mental and vital ego self fulfillment is a result of the yoga but its aim is not the greatness of the individual i hear terms like integral yogi hai yes what does it mean even the word sadhak sounds so preposterous and then to add to that foolishness we add senior sadhak and still more advanced sadhak <laughs> so why simply because somebody is staying in the shurbindo ashram what is sadhana or yoga advancement got to do with any of this it is a possibility an opportunity but to start believing that just because you are staying near the feet of rama you become a hanuman <laughs> no so this is where he reminds us the sole aim is a spiritual perfection a finding of the true self and a union with the divine by putting on the divine consciousness and now comes the supramental consciousness what it is in the supramental consciousness on the level of the supramental existence the integration becomes consummate so what is the integration if we go by the path of works it is works is a very wide field by its nature it includes knowledge and will and love but supposing we go through the traditional path of knowledge then there is a tendency to drop off the work one likes to withdraw more and more sitting in meditation going <laughs> towards samadhi or if you take the path of love bhakti then there is more and more the tendency to 
look down upon knowledge on works and all this tends to become subordinate and not only this there are different sides and aspects of the being which needs their own consumation so there is the vital nature there is passion there is power there is wisdom there is perfection in every detail of life there is the spirit of or a seeking for beauty and harmony for love for delight for peace all these generally in yoga we pursue one aspect and arrive at that aspect of the divine and well that is liberative no doubt because if you touch one aspect you have arrived at some absolute of the divine absolute peace and you can withdraw into samadhi but in super mind all these aspects infinite aspects are together in a harmonious embrace this is the first definition of the super mind definition means a way of saying super mind is the creator in all his splendor effulgence where all the different aspects in creation they are all scattered somebody may be strong the other person is very sweet but sweetness and strength together in the supramental somebody is very happy not that happy has anything to do with delight full of delight somebody is in peace but in super mind peace and delight are together interwoven with each other similarly harmony beauty all these different aspects come together wisdom justice compassion things which seem contradictory in the super mind they are all together in a beautiful concord harmonious concord not woven together means that now you know the divine says uh, in the orchestra let the tabla start and then the harmonium starts all of them are in a beautiful concord so that's the supramental existence first thing is the divine in all his splendor harmoniously weaving all the different infinite anant gun of the divine not nirgun sagun but all of them even the nirgun aspect the sagun they are all interwoven the impersonal brahman and the suprapersonal sachidanand all of them are interwoven if you enter the super mind there is no antagonism between sachidanand brahm and the creation all of them are woven together as one single the perfection of the self and the dynamic nature rise each to its absolute of itself and all to the perfect harmony and fusion with each other to a divine integrality a divine perfection let's take this example again of the wave and the sea looking at a wave which will lapse is one kind of ignorance looking at the sea sans the waves is another kind of ignorance are the waves and the sea different where will we find this truth neither in the sea nor in the waves but we have to go to the third aspect the being of the ocean ask that being that sir what are these waves is it's not some maya you say that is myself ask the being of the ocean what is this ocean you say myself what are these multiple creatures in the ocean i have brought them forth why have you brought them out for the delight of myself they live and die within and all this is myself this is the great supramental experience that's what is hinted in isha upanishad that's why the mother says when shirobindo sees the one vasudev everywhere it is a supramental oneness because it is one in both static and dynamic aspects
For the super mind is a truth consciousness. All this can become one only in the consciousness of truth. And it is understood it is not my truth, your truth, not legal truth, moral truth, religious truth, formulas of truth. Not none of this. It is truth because it is the self-vision of the supreme in what seems like a otherness of self. It is his self-vision. I know what's happening to my finger. Nobody else can know. So that is the awareness of the self in all things. What I may know, others may know, things is all about how they look outside. So that, of course, we'll touch in the yoga of knowledge. For the super mind is a truth consciousness in which the divine reality fully manifested. So this is important. It is not divine reality which excludes manifestation. If you go into Satchidananda Brahm, you exclude manifestation. If you go into Brahm Nirvana, you exclude manifestation. In the super mind, the unmanifest and the manifest come together. That is the hint in the Gita. Vyaktoham avyaktoham. Sri Krishna knocks at the door of the super mind and says, No, 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 I have to come as your window. I should <laughs> exceed the brief. Arjuna will be too much flooded. Then he will be totally confused. What are you meaning, Lord? So quietly he just mentions. So that's how in the super mind there is the full manifestation. No longer works with the instrumentation of the ignorance. A truth of status of being which is absolute becomes dynamic in a truth of energy and activity of the being which is self-existent and perfect. There is no antagonism between Ishwara and Shakti, between creation and the creator. Because it is the creator who is flowing into the creation. Of course creation will always be limited but yet it will be the creator who is constantly unfolding himself to the great epic called human life or the existence, creation of earth. So this is how we find this truth is revealed in the supermind. Then, in the supermind, every movement, there is a movement of the self-aware truth of divine being. And every part is in entire harmony with the whole. Self-aware truth of the divine being. So, there is this Whatever action is there, there is no trace of unconsciousness, no trace of error because not only it is not unconsciousness, but climbing through grades of consciousness, every action is impelled by the supreme consciousness. So there can be no error. We may think that world is an error, but to the supermind, he'll say, picture abhi baki hai. You are too quick and jumping to conclusion. As you know, mother says, for the human consciousness, the divine is too slow. For the divine, man is too slow in responding. But then she says, but to the supreme wisdom, all is perfect just as it should be. In that vision, you see all the steps, all the journey. So every movement and every divine being and every part is in entire harmony with the whole. So when an action is done, all its repercussions with all the other coordinates are taken into consideration. This is the beauty. When we act, we think only about this little individual. But when the divine acts, he acts not only upon that person, but everything else that is connected. That's why, that is the beauty of the supramental avatar and the mother speaks about it. Automatically, because that action is flawless for this very reason. Even the most limited and finite action is in the truth consciousness, a movement of the eternal 
and infinite and partakes of the inherent absoluteness and perfection of the eternal and infinite. That's what I sometimes, when Shurabindo, when in the morning, uh, morning, so what was the time? I think it was afternoon, when the mother would go and meet Shurabindo and they would either talk or they would understand the big cosmic problem, problem of sadhaks. And Shurabindo will make a cup of tea for the mother. Or when the mother combs Shurabindo's hairs. You know what is? We have read about it, no? Apart from the beauty of that action, hairs, there is a vision Shurabindo's mother describes where Shurabindo picks up three combs and puts in his hair. He says, he was saying that I have adopted your conceptions. Whatever you create, I have received it and accepted it, sanctioned it. What is combing? He's dressing up. He's ready. The Lord accepts whatever way the divine Shakti dresses him up. Look at the beauty of this. It's not just a gesture. It's a divine gesture. Even the smallest action, how the mother would, uh, you know, uh, flowers which people will give her on the way, she will come and place it at Shurabindo's feet. It is the divine Shakti bringing everything and placing it at the Lord's feet. How in every little detail this action works. So it's not like some things are important and others are not important. An ascent into the supramental truth not only raises our spiritual and essential consciousness to that height, but brings about a descent of this light and truth into all our being and all our parts of nature. All then becomes part of the divine truth from the highest to the lowest, from the heights to the abyss. An element and means of the supreme union and oneness, this ascent and descent must be therefore an ultimate aim of this yoga. Why Shubhidur takes a separate chapter for this? Because in traditional karma yoga or in the Gita, this part is not there. It stops with liberation through works, but Shobindu brings this element of the supramental change, which also through works we can arrive at. This is taking the entire yoga of the Gita one step further. The doors which Sri Krishna knocked but did not open, Shobindu opens and lets us enter into it and lets that enter and invade us and transform us. Namaste.